The text for the sermon this day is taken from that gospel lesson, specifically the very first words, which says, When Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. There are only two times in the Gospels where it uses or says specifically that Jesus wept. You'll find throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus will have compassion. He'll have kind of what's called a weeping compassion. But to use this specific word that he wept, happens only one other time in the Gospels. The other time is one of the most famous verses. It's famous because it's, one of the, it's the shortest sentence in the English language or English literature. Jesus wept as he wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And when you look at that weeping moment, there's a lot of mystery. Why did Jesus weep over the, when Lazarus died? There's questions about that one. That's up for another sermon. But here, we know why he's weeping. He's weeping over the unbelief of the people of the city. And so he is standing. This is on the day after Palm Sunday. The day before, they saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling a prophecy that many of, most of them knew about. Hence the reason they heard people were so readily able to sing Hosanna to the Son of David. They had just seen it. They saw the fulfillment of the prophecy. But they did not believe. They, had, they desired peace. They lived in a world of turmoil. They lived in the fact that they were under the rule of a foreign empire. The Roman Empire. They didn't want a foreign ruler. They wanted to have a King David or a King Solomon. They wanted their own kingdom. Their own earthly kingdom. And they believed that that's what the Messiah was going to come and do. He was going to come and restore the kingdom to Israel. Of course, they're thinking an earthly kingdom to Israel. 
In fact, the disciples, after Jesus had risen from the dead, right before his ascension, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore your king, the kingdom to Israel now? The disciples still not getting it after Jesus had done everything he did. They wouldn't get in until Pentecost. But they thought that they could find peace with an earthly kingdom. And even though peace rode in, and they realized very quickly that Jesus did not come to overthrow the Roman Empire, they were turning on him. And by the end of that week, they would have him arrested, they would have him beaten, tortured, they would have him crucified. This reason, Jesus wept over the city. Because peace had literally rode into Jerusalem, and they did not believe. They're still looking for it. And after Jesus would be crucified, after he would rise from the dead, his disciples on the day of Pentecost would stand tall. Peter would give it a, an incredible sermon. The very same Peter who on the day that Jesus was crucified said, I don't know the man, three times, would stand on Pentecost proclaiming Jesus risen, proclaiming him as Lord. And they still, there were many who still didn't believe. After the countless things that we've gone through on our Tuesday morning Bible study through the book of Acts, you could just read through the book of Acts all the things that was done through the church. The one that we just read on Tuesday was Paul even rose somebody from the dead. Which, by the way, if you ever think my sermons are long, just read about Paul, who preached a sermon so long that a kid fell asleep and fell out a window and died. And then Paul went out, woke him up, and went right back to preaching until, until the sun got up. So, so if you ever think I've been long, Paul was worse. But anyways. But they've seen all these things. And yet, they still didn't believe. And much like the pe people, there's a lot of debate about when Luke wrote this gospel. Some people think that he wrote it maybe in the mid-60s AD. Some will say maybe like 75. And the reason it's kind of significant as to when is because in 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Shortly before that, the Romans surrounded the city, cutting off everything from the city. And they eventually went in and they destroyed it. Many believe that Jesus right here is predicting, is prophesying what was happening. And he's declaring that what would happen to them is a judgment against them. Just as the Babylonians sieging Jerusalem, as Jeremiah prophesied, it was, for, the, for Israel in that time, it was a judgment from God. For Israel in, that, in 70 AD, again, Jesus is prophesying that it would be a judgment 
from God. Peace was right in front of their face. And they refused it. And just like Pharaoh, whose heart God hardened, God basically was saying, fine, you don't want my peace, then you will have no peace at all. So very similar in our world. We live in a world where you could, if you were to go around to, if you were to go to the, you know, go backwards a week, two weeks, and you went around the Republican National Convention, and you were to ask people, would they like peace in the world? I'll bet you a majority of them would say yes. And one week later, you went to the Democratic National Convention and asked the very same question, they would say yes. They might disagree about how that happens, but they would all say that they agree that they desire peace. Most people in the world want some kind of peace. And so, why many of them gather at the conventions is because they believe that that Republican candidate or that Democratic candidate is the one that has a solution to peace. Or maybe that you're like many people, they I don't like either of these guy, this guy or gal, and I'm going to go for one of those third-party candidates and have the idea maybe they will bring us peace. But our history of our world should tell us very quickly that no leader brings peace. Not for long. The nation of Israel, they came to Samuel and they said, we want a king. And he granted their wish. And every single king they would ever have would be corrupt. Even the great King David would commit murder and adultery. Just like our presidents. If you went through every single one of them, I'm not saying that the presidents never did anything good, just as the kings of Israel did good things. But we all know it. Every single one of them had their failings, their shortcomings. And so when we realize that our government can't, can't bring us peace, perhaps we think that maybe if I just had a little bit more money, then I would have peace. Or maybe I would just have a little bit more stuff. Or maybe if my husband or my wife or my children or would be just a little bit different, then I would have peace. Or maybe I'd find that person that would bring me peace. What we find, for one, is that perfect person you can't find. And two, is you forget the fact that sometimes you yourself are a source of the lack of peace in our lives. The problem isn't only those that are around us, but it is the sin which is in each of us. We know that we are the ones that sometimes is stirring up the trouble. That we were the ones that said that thing or did that stupid thing 
that cause turmoil in our families, in our lives. And so we look for peace in so many places. And yet we as Christians should know better than anyone where to find that peace. We find it in Christ. The very one who rode into Jerusalem. How many of you have, raise your hand if you've got a smartphone. Either Android or iPhone or whatever, or Windows. How many of you, raise your hand if you've got a computer that's connected to the internet. How about if you've got a tablet? In case you do not know, those are all sort ways that you can access the Bible. Now, a computer, if you have a desktop computer, you can't exactly carry that around everywhere. It's a little awkward. But if you have one of these electronic devices like this or like most phones, you have access to the Bible anywhere you go. If you're in a hospital, if you're in a hotel, look around long enough, you'll find one of the Gideon's Bibles. If you're in the hospital bed, get somebody to find it for you. We don't want you getting injured. But there's a Bible not hard to find just about anywhere you go in this country. It is not hard in this country to find a church. In fact, these days, in case you don't know, the Pokemon Go game is leading people into churches. Because I know that the Christian Reformed is actually considered, not to advertise them, but they're a Pokemon Go gymnasium right now. So I haven't checked if May City or not. I think we should be since we're the only church in town. But anyways, <laughs> um, so Pokemon Go is like leading people into churches. Because why? Churches are everywhere in this country. You don't have to go far to find one. When you come up to the Lord's Supper this day, there's that hymn that we've, we've sung it a few times. It's kind of an unfamiliar one, but it's, it was sung at the LWML convention and it was at the National Youth Gathering. The name of the hymn was, What is This Bread? And essentially, the, one of the lines it says, This bread is peace. You receive peace in the Lord's Supper. Your peace is as close as your baptism. Every day you wake up, Luther recommends by starting by making the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. He recommends you do that when you go to sleep, reminding yourself that you are baptized. You are a child of paradise. We look everywhere for peace except for the place that is obvious that's right there every step of the way that is not hard for us to find. Peace is Christ. And he is found in his word. He is found in his sacraments. That is where peace is in this world that so desperately needs it. Since last week, more tragedies around the world, more shootings, more bombings. We need peace so badly. But peace is the one who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. 
Peace is the one who was nailed to the cross. Peace is the one who rose from the dead. Peace is the one who is given to you in baptism. Peace is the one who has spoken to you in the word. Peace is the one that is in, with, and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins. You, I know you seek peace. It's in Christ. And as we are bearers of that peace, as we are literally clothed with that peace in baptism, you are also a beacon of that peace. So once you get that drink that you need daily, not, every, not just every time you come to church, you need it daily. Once you drink of it, go and deliver that same refreshing peace to the world. Speak peace. You are ambassadors, beacons of the peace that is Christ. May it be so until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand. We confess our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, Begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. <clears throat> 